You had mentioned that Naeem Hines had some interesting things to say, correct? Yeah, Naeem Hines, this quote Zach Kiefer had, I believe Bob Kravitz, who will join us here at the bottom of the hour, was in the scrum as well on Sunday. This was Hines, Jake. Not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. So each year we have growing pains while we sit here and watch Tennessee, which has had Tannehill my whole career. And each year we're restarting and we have to turn the page. So that sucks a little bit. Most teams we play have an established guy, but that doesn't matter. We have to figure it out, and we will figure it out. You know, it's like I said the other day. The the and maybe it's circa. Listen, Andrew Luck retired unexpectedly from the Colts. I get it. So therefore, they had not planned on quarterback depth or having somebody waiting in the wings I get it but the NFL stands for not for long and the reason that is is because things can turn so quickly for better or for worse I'm looking right now at the list of games from Sunday Andrew Luck retired in what year Kevin? Uh, right before the 2019 season. Okay. At that time, you know, we're not going to sit here and go team by team by team, but most, not most, but a, a lot of the teams that you see in the NFL right now are being quarterbacked by someone who was not their quarterback in 2019. There are ways to improve your standing within the position. They went out and they got Phillip Rivers. He was a stopgap. He played well. I get it. Carson Wentz was thought to be a multi-year guy. Owner didn't like him. So he, he's gone. So then you go out and, to be honest with you, they didn't seem to have any plan at that point. Everybody in the world knew that after that Jacksonville game, Carson Wentz was gone. Everyone knew that. Literally everyone knew that. And my friends from Australia were here, and they're like, oh, yeah, the Indianapolis, that's the Colts. Now, that, that Carson Wentz was going to be gone after they lost to Jacksonville, right? Yes. But they had no plan. And they got kind of a lifeline at the last minute because of the fact that Atlanta publicly explored Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, which then made Matt Ryan, like, expendable. And so, well, we might as well get something out of him. And they, they traded him, and there is still – probably question about Matt Ryan whether or not they got a Philip Rivers redo or they got Kerry Collins as a Colt I I'm not that bad but and so now you're probably can you run back Matt Ryan next year no no um so you're right back to square one 35 million dollar cap hit for Matt Ryan next year um I want to go here Jake I know a lot of people hear from Jim Ursay's comments about, you know, I want to win multiple Super Bowls, mul- multiple Lombardis in a decade. And Ursay says that. And I think a lot of people are kind of quick to laugh at that. And I, I don't, I'd like to think I'm not one of those people. I, I think those are aspirations that an NFL franchise should strive for. Are they extremely lofty? Without question. But the most realistic way to achieve such a path 
of sustained success, which is a phrase that I think Ursay uses quite often, is to take a quarterback risk, have that guy be your guy for a long period of time, and over the course of that decade, whatever, you are making perennial playoff runs, and sooner or later, luck has to fall your way, and you fall into a Super Bowl moment. You make a Super Bowl appearance. You win a Super Bowl. That 2006 team was not the best team of that era, but yet time, perennial runs, perennial chances, they struck a little bit of gold with the defense in that year, and boom, next thing you know, they're winning a Super Bowl. The best path to try and achieve that is not via Band-Aid quarterbacks. It's via taking a risk at the most important position in sports. And, yes, you're putting yourself out there, but if you cash in on it, now you have an opportunity that teams like Buffalo and Kansas City are sitting there having right now. Right. And there is a refusal from the general manager right now to take that chance. And I think an element comes from, again, the stubbornness that I mentioned earlier in the show with his roster building, particularly at that position. And I think there's also an element, too, of if you take that risk, Jake, that means you could get fired. Whereas if the Colts continue to take the Band-Aid approach and win nine-ish games, you probably aren't going to get fired. Kevin, I... I You're just kicking the can down the listen, road. Listen, I know that this is tiresome for people to hear because I, I mention it a lot. But... This is the challenge in Indianapolis. This is a a franchise in a city that played quarterback roulette forever. I mean, literally, like when I was in high school, I remember every two years we're like, oh, they found an answer. They found a quarterback. And it's hard, man. It's hard. And then Peyton Manning came around and all of a sudden it was a – I think the Colts got conditioned, and I know that this is not applicable to Chris Ballard because he wasn't here, but it's almost like be, from when you go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, the franchise became conditioned to think that was a, a, a position they just didn't have to worry about. You know, it's kind of like when I started the job here and I'm going through the new hire paperwork, and one of the things that came up was Hey, did you know that like there's a partnership with the corporation where you can get your car insurance if you pick this company and it will just come right off your paycheck? And I thought, well, hell yes. And so I opted for that. And I never, ever, ever again had to worry about my car insurance payment. Like it was like just a forgotten thing to me. I just, I don't have to worry about it. I, it's just taken care of. And so, like, all of us, that, that's like a bill that, like, I don't even think about. Like, I forget that I even have car insurance because I don't pay it. And for the Colts, I think the quarterback position was one that, like, they didn't even think about for 15 years because it just it was automatically there. And now here you are, and what are you doing? I, I don't, you can't just keep going. I'm telling you, you can't keep going to TJ Maxx and getting quarterbacks off the, the heap at the cash register that has, like, the two-year-old toddler on candy bars. You just can't. Honestly... How they view quarterback, and when I say they, I mainly mean Ballard, it's probably where I disagree the most. And I've said this before. When Andrew Luck retires for the start of the 2019 season, every day for your franchise, that first day after he retires, you get your scouts, you get your coaches in the room and say, we have got to exhaust every single resource in finding the next quarterback. We need to now go scout Tua, 
and Justin Herbert. And I guess Joe Burrow really emerged kind of in that season for LSU. But we need to go see if those guys fit us and what we need to do to go and find that guy if he does fit what we have. Um, the other thing that I think I would note if I were Jim Irsay, and I, I don't think Irsay feels this way, to be honest with you, Jake, but if I'm Jim Irsay and I've publicly said sustained success, multiple Lombardi trophies, I would look at how my GM has handled that position and think, wait a minute, that's not the best avenue to try and achieve that. Stop gaps, band-aids, quarterbacks that are walking up the 17th and 18th hole of their respective NFL careers, that's not how a franchise tries to get to a very high bar in the NFL. Again, I don't think Ursay views it like that, but I would if I were Jim Ursay. I would think to myself, wait, my GM is not doing everything possible to try and get my franchise back to where it was or where it needs to get to. Okay. Because even if Matt Ryan were to work out for a year, Jake, and let's say the Colts win 11 games, you're just going to be back with the same song and dance next year looking for, in 2024, looking for the future of your franchise. Kevin, somebody just sent me this text. Jake, four of the seven last Super Bowl winning quarterbacks were Band-Aid quarterbacks. Manning in Denver, Nick Foles, Brady in Tampa, Stafford with the Rams. Those are huge, Hall of Famers that difference. you're naming. And a huge difference. Those were all franchises that were a quarterback away. the The Denver Broncos were built. They had a they had a generational defense to an extent, and they were built for Peyton Manning to come in. And Manning was a smart enough quarterback to know how to be a game manager of that to put them over the top. Tampa Bay had an has a had a really good roster. They were a quarterback away. The Colts had a quarterback, and we saw this with Peyton Manning. The Colts had two successive quarterback rosters that were that the quarterback masked deficiencies all over the place. And Andrew Luck was masking deficiencies. Peyton Manning absolutely was masking deficiencies, and it came down like a house of cards when he got hurt and Curtis Painter went out there as the sacrificial lamb, and you realized they had problems all over the place. And that's when you realized how great Peyton Manning was because he was covering up where they had been exposed, where they had previously not been exposed because of Manning. The rosters that Matt Stafford walked into or Tom Brady walked into or Manning walked into in Denver, Nick Foles wasn't a stopgap. He was a backup because the main guy got hurt. That's apples and oranges to where the Colts are right now, right? They just have not gone out and addressed that situation. Those were franchises and organizations that were built for a comp for a quarterback to be the final piece. Whereas right now the Colts are such that it's the piece that they're still searching for. And I think it's a bit ludicrous to compare where Phillip Rivers was in 2020, where Matt Ryan is right now, to what Tom Brady gave Tampa or what Matthew Stafford gave the Rams last right. year. When you say Band-Aid, there are different levels of the age and still playing at an extremely high level versus where you're at right now from a Colts standpoint. I'll reiterate something I mentioned in the opening segment, Jake. The Colts right now, six straight games of 20 points or fewer. If that reaches seven straight games on Thursday night, that will tie the longest such streak this franchise has endured since 1993 of offensive futility. And you look at the defenses you've played in this stretch – 
Raiders and Jags to end last year. And now to start this season, Texans, Jags, Chiefs, and Titans. Jake, those teams and those defenses are in the basement of the NFL. Right. I I looked this up yesterday. I'm not going to bore you with the numbers, but hear me out. These are teams ranking 26, 27, 28 in defense. And right now, your offense is awful. And it's awful because it's ending drives with turning the ball over and now putting your defense in terrible situations. You're not even ending it with, hey, here's a punt and here's field position and you've got to drive 80 yards on us. And that right now is a major indictment of an offensive-minded head coach. And if I'm Jim Irsay, I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. We're supposed to be having an advantage on this side of the ball. And right now our offense can't get out of its own way and they can't even punt the freaking ball. Kevin, an offense in the NFL in 2022 does two things. It wins you games. Okay? This is, an this is again, I'm going to go back to, it feels like the rest of the league, the phrase is always, you're going into it thinking that you're playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. In this scenario, everybody else is playing chess. They've got pieces that can move all over the board. They got they got a a bishop that can go this way and this way and this way. They got a, a queen that can go wherever they, they want. You got a, a a rook that can go down and hook to the, the Colts have like one rook. They got Moali Cox that can go down eight yards and hook a right and that's it. Or Jelani Woods, and then they have Michael Pittman that occasionally, as a pawn, is able to move some advanced bases. That's it. the The Colts are playing checkers with pieces that can simply go two spots and that's it. And the rest of the league is playing chess. They are built right now as a boring football team that is not winning and that is losing this fan base. I'm telling you, I know we're only a quarter into the season, but this game in Denver, they've got to turn things around because this is a fan base that is teetering on total apathy, which after two decades of great quarterback play and sustained offensive rhythm – is a dangerous thing that Jim Irsay does not want to see because when you have people start talking about wanting to turn in their season tickets or not wanting to get back, that is the last thing that an owner wants to hear. And you are in a year now, so far a quarter of the way into it, where you have yet to win a division game where things are – and maybe going on the road is the best thing for them. Sometimes it's good for a team to just get away from all the noise and, and band together on the road in a hotel, but it's a short week – you're banged up. Your best player in Jonathan Taylor, which again I think is is and he's a wonderful talent. But in 2022, do you win by having your offense epicentered around the running back position? Like they have some issues, Kevin, and they need to work them out. They need to figure it out now because the, I'm telling you, the sand's quickly going through the hourglass on the year. Uh, Simon, welcome to Kevin and Query. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Listen, I, guys, Jake, you've, you've just basically stolen every bit of my thunder, starting from the team being built incorrectly um, it, it, right down to the fan base. I have a 14-year-old son who who will, will have to move out if he's not a Colts fan, right? But that, Gosh, not, that seems he, harsh. <laughs> well, he's, he's, not, he's, he's not interested in the style of play and the, the – we talk about analytics – that's what they live for, right? They love to watch stats because it's in their phone. And I, I, I'm at a point now, I'm a season ticket holder. We haven't been to a game yet. Um, now I will blame CYO football for that, but he has no interest in even going to the game. I mean, he doesn't I mean day one. He's like, we got another washed quarterback in here. I mean, 
you know, the team is built incorrectly for the style of play. That's a problem, right? You know, I listen to this. I listen to the station all day long when I can get it when the app's working, right? And the the second part, the second part of it is you, you've got a guy that's a basketball guy that's an entertain, entertainer on this network, self-glossed entertainer that has said Ballard's a survivor. I, I mean, again, as a as a father of a fourteen year old, I like the good high character guys, but they're they're losing a fan, a total fan base. And he's got to get a. I mean, Mr. Ursay has done so much great for this community. He has he strives not to be his father, and he's not his father. But it's time that he lets a professional run this organization, takes a step back, lets his lets lets his daughters run this show. I mean, and 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 deal with his guitars and his cars and those kind of things. That's well. That's the other thing I felt, Kevin, is that. Ursay's a great personality, and he's a fun guy, and he's philanthropic around town. But doing the concerts, displaying the guitars, doing all the fun things, buying the Jack Kerouac scroll, that is wonderful accentuation to being a winning owner. But the second that the winning stops, those are the first things people are going to point to saying, what's the priority here? I've mentioned this before. The accountability to me is an issue top down right now. Um, Jim Mercy had no issue doing a little song and dance in front of his bus after the Kansas City win. Have we heard from him since right. Tennessee? All those tweets last week. Primal, loud, blue alert. We need our fans like we've never needed them before. And yesterday it's a tweet of, thanks to all the fans for being at the game well, yesterday. The he knows this. He knows because he said, going into it, right? We need you primal. We need you pissed off. We need you loud. He said all those things, right? What he knows is this. The fans upheld their end of the bargain. They showed up. They were there. Where was his team? Well, Simon is a CYO. <laughs> True. Where was his team? Down 24-3 at the half? Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is running wherever he wants to go, and everybody in that building, and granted, he's a pretty, level, pretty elite-level talent, but everybody knew Derrick Henry was going to be the guy Tennessee's calling on, and yet the Colts, everybody but the 11 guys that were responsible for stopping Derrick Henry seemed to know that Derrick Henry's going to get the ball. It just at this point is flat, it's lifeless, and it's boring. I think one of the more alarming things, if I were Ursay, would be a moment in Sunday's game that Frank Reich had with Marcus Brady. Frank Reich looks at Brady during the second half on Sunday and says, dude, I I think we might have to throw it on every single down. You're facing the 32nd ranked run defense in the NFL. You have a running back that had 500 more yards than any other player in the NFL last season, you're built to run the football behind the highest paid offensive line, and yet you're in the moment on Sunday and you don't feel like you can run the football? That's supposed to be your strength. That's supposed to be your building block. That's supposed to be everything that has gone into it from a resource, investment, belief standpoint, and against the dead last running defense in the NFL, you don't feel like you can get it done. And to be honest with you, Frank was probably right. Can you imagine saying that if you were an elite passing offense? Kevin, you are how old? 33. You remember Terrell Davis of the Broncos? Sure. When Terrell Davis of the Broncos was in his prime, what were you doing in your life? What phase? You are a 33-year-old radio host in Market 24. What were you doing with your life when Terrell Davis was in his prime? Probably trying to 
write cursive at Cherry Tree Elementary. Okay. And who was the top musical performer at the time that Terrell Davis was in his prime? God, I mean, it was in the late night. I don't know. In sync? Backstreet Boys, Britney Spears. Okay. That was the last time that the league's rushing leader went to the Super Bowl. And this is a franchise that is trying to build their offense around a guy that they think can lead the league in rushing. For a quarter century, for a quarter century, teams have decided to do things through the air. And the Indianapolis Colts are dead set on traveling across. They might as well be coached by John Madden because they want to stick everything on the ground. They refuse to go through the air. Partially because they can't. Adam, welcome to Kevin Aquari. Good morning, gentlemen. I just wanted to ask the question. If, if the Colts don't show up on Thursday and we keep seeing the ball getting put on the ground by, by the quarterback, would you be surprised to see a change there to Nick Foles? Yeah, I, I would be. The fact that Adam asked this question on October 4th is just unbelievable. It's a very fair question. It but is. the fact that the question is even being asked is just an absolute joke of where you're at right now at that position. Uh, I, I do not think they would go to Foles. No, I don't. The problem with going to Foles is this. I'm going to use the analogy I've used a billion times. Your backup quarterback's a donut tire. Your donut tire is fabulous in getting you one to two exits until you can get the tire fixed. But if you're expecting the donut tire to take you the rest of the way home, you're in serious trouble. The ball security is just a – I mean, but Rosie Kevin, catches the ball in the backyard better than Matt Ryan holds onto it right now. Understood, but at the same time, ball security begins with quarterback security. Well, yeah. And you got a sure. guy making $20 million a year that's letting Denico Autry show everybody that the Colts shouldn't have let him walk. There's an element, though, of like – I mean, Jacoby Brissett's getting hit, and he falls down and takes a sack, and you punt it away. Fair. Like, you, you, you've got to just end drives. I know it sounds so coaching cliche. you got to end drives with kicks. When you don't that, do that. That sounds very coaching cliche. I know. It, it, <laughs> and you're just handing Tennessee these short fields, and you're handing a bad football team hope. Just like Kansas City did with you on the Sky Moore Muff punt, you handed Tennessee that early hope with those turnovers. And I thought that set the tone. Uh, Mark, let's sneak in one more before you hit a morning check down. Uh, who should we go with? Uh, let's go with Randy. Randy. Hey, so you guys were talking about the fan base. The issues. I've been a Colts fan since 84, and I'm 42 years old, and I've seen it all, the ups and downs. The The problem is you've got You were a Colts fan Colts. when you were two? No, I was I was four. When, when they moved to Indy, I was a fan. Okay. I started watching. So, um I would have been a fan of two if they were here in Indy. But Fair enough. We, we've <laughs> I thought you said you're 40 years old. Sorry. I'm, yeah, 42. Okay, sorry. But, um, okay. but we, we sit there and we've gone – us longtime Colts fans have gone through the ups and downs. And we're at a point now where it's like the lows are just like, okay, well, we've seen this before. It, it doesn't matter to us anymore that we're just so frustrated with it. You've got these newer Colts fans who are the ones screaming, doing all the screaming. Yes, I want to see I, – I feel like Frank's going to be gone just because of the apathy that we're seeing from this team. But it's not – I'm not out there beating drums because I've seen it before, and a lot of us longtime Colts fans have seen it before. I think there there is a section that obviously is there, but, Jake, as I said yesterday, if you're five years younger than Randy and you didn't 
cheer for the Colts at the age of three or four, you haven't seen this before. This is different. This is a different territory for this franchise if you are a Colts fan under the age of 35 or 40, and it's different for Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay has not had this experience as an owner, and I'm very curious to see how he's going to react to all of this. Here's the other thing that's interesting to me for Thursday night. You have two franchises in the Colts and the Broncos, who, by the way, have their own intertwined quarterback history over the course of the years, obviously, but going back to Elway. But you have two teams that both have veteran quarterbacks that they thought were going to come in and be a piece for them that was the final icing towards catapulting them where they needed to go this year. Both of them are trying to find stability with those quarterbacks. Matt Ryan here, Russell Wilson in Denver. One of those two quarterbacks has an opportunity now to launch here towards the second quarter of the season. But for the Colts' standpoint, I can't speak for Denver, but for the Colts' standpoint, it begins with trying to protect that guy who has mobility issues anyway, who probably is like four years from starting to get the ARP card mass mailers, and yet they literally have a papier-mâché line with a $20 million guard that has suddenly become a turnstile overnight, a center who is really struggling, and a completely right side that is completely faltering, and Matt Ryan doesn't know which way is left. Because, yes, holding on to the football is Matt Ryan's responsibility, but making sure that he's not in the position to have to run away and figure out where the ball is that he's trying to protect is the responsibility of the line, and they flat have faltered in doing that. Yeah. Are you lacking support around Matt Ryan? Without question, but you got him to not make boneheaded plays, and he's made way too many of them and laying the ball in the turf on a consistent basis here through the first four games. 